So what is it, that old saying, cliche of people don't care what you know until they know that you care? Hi, and welcome to What's Best for Kids, the podcast that digs deep into what educators wish parents knew about education and what parents wish educators knew about parenting. I'm your host, Rob Copo. I'm the parent of two kids who went to public school, and I've been in public education for more than 25 years as a teacher, coach, and administrator. I'm currently the principal of Torrey Pines High School in San Diego, California, and every day I ask myself, what's best for kids? On today's show, we're going to talk about the rise in athletic injuries in high school and the increased need for certified athletic trainers. With me today is Christina Schur, the athletic trainer for Westview High School. Christina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. It's exciting to have you back on the campus of Torrey Pines High School. It's a little surreal, that's for sure. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> so might as well jump right into that sure. one. So give us a little bit about your background and what led you to where you are now and why you aren't here anymore. All right. Um, let's see. I've been an athletic trainer now for 21 years. Wow. Um, 17 years at the high school system, which 10 of that was here at Torrey Pines. Um Never thought I would be a high school athletic trainer. I never wanted to work at a high school as an athletic trainer. Came here and 17 years later, this is what I'm still doing. So I think I credit that to a lot of the individuals I met when I first started working here. Um, you know, building the program up, you know, becoming part of the community, part of the school, part of the families. I still keep in touch with many families that I worked with. Yeah, um, yeah it's, you know, um, coaches, kids that are now coming back and coaching or um, teaching or <laughs> the head coach of a program. Um, <laughs> are you talking about at my school? Yeah, your school. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I started, it was a part-time independent contractor position. It was a 1099 through, we were subcontracted through a physical therapy company. Um, at that time, the physical therapy company could office, uh, offer us benefits if we worked, were able to work in the clinic three mornings a week. That ended up phasing out through, um, you know, government, um, taxes, all those things that it could no longer be done. Um, but I was grandfathered in at the time. So I was still able to work with that PT company and at Torrey Pines. It was just very long days, 7 a.m. to 7 or 9 p.m. when I worked my clinic hours. Um, the district then sold the contract um, to a different physical therapy company who offered uh, less money for the same services and always great always you know win win there for right. no one um, <laughs> except the people who are paying the bill yeah um, it wasn't a really great working relationship with the athletic trainers and I say plural not just myself I say myself it was more so because I had been here for so long and I had more of a voice and I recognized the laws that were kind of gray area on what we were being asked to do. Um, and after a while, it just became a place where I wasn't happy. And I love my job. I love what I do. Um, but I dreaded who I worked for at the time. Mm. It was really hard. It was one of the hardest decisions that I've had to make. Um, like I said, the relationships with the coaches that I've built, the families, the community, the kids that I've known since they were born, and then to and the doctors, the relationships that I've made and built with the doctors in the community, um, it was really hard to walk away from. But sitting there and having that beverage after I walked away, I felt like a weight had just been lifted. Wow. 
Um, it was an undescribable feeling. But also, I, I did have another job lined up. I am now the athletic trainer at Westview High School, where I've been for the last seven years. Um, I am very fortunate to have a fabulous athletic director. Um, the principal that I've had the last, you know, five years is she was just such a mentor and a friend and it was awesome. Um, the culture and community, I had a hard time adjusting to after being at Tory for a little while. Um, but it was an adjustment that came easy, um, after a while. And again, just building those relationships, um, you know, with the coaches and the community, uh, but it's right down the street from Tory yeah. and we play Tory in a lot of things. So I always scope out the schedules, you know, when are we playing Tory and are they home or away? So I can say like, Oh, who's coaching? Who can I go say hi to? Um, because that is another, that's a happy place for me or some of the people that I have met along the way. Yeah. And then, you know, I was, uh, yourself included, by oh, the way, oh, we've oh. known each other for, whew. 15-ish years. Yeah, yeah, about that. About, yeah, because yeah. uh, when Brett, who's been on the podcast, mm -hmm. gave me athletics uh, after being a film major. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that, Brett. Um, <laughs> and gave, gave me athletics at Torrey right. Pines High School, of all places. Uh, I remember learning a tremendous amount from you on the sidelines because I had never worked with an athletic trainer. Mm -hmm. I was at a high school before, but I coached soccer, never saw a trainer at right. all. Not even sure if we had one right. uh, back at Orange Glen in the day. And so you helped me really learn about our system, what was going on here and learning about your role here on campus in this bizarre world of, are you part of the staff? Or are you not part of the staff? Because mm -hmm. you're uh, independent contractor, right? You're hired outside, mm -hmm. brought in, but we're working so closely with the families mm -hmm. and the students knew you and you'd get chants from the crowd and, and all that sort of thing. And you and I would talk a lot about how to make that transition. We had talked to this back in the day with ROP, right. Regional Occupational Program, before CTE yeah. and how to start a class. And, you know, to your credit, all of those conversations led us to finally doing it just a little too late. Because <laughs> now we have a classified yes. employee position here at Torrey Pines. Uh, but, you know, and, and as we predicted, like, by the way, if we don't do this soon, we're going to lose Christina. And sure enough, we did. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, our loss is Westview's gain. And yeah. Good for them. Bad for us. Although our current athletic trainer is doing great, I don't mean to say anything about saying it because we've had right. a couple of good ones come through. Mm -hmm. But again, it's it was a, a bummer to see that process take so long. Right, and it kind of became a revolving door throughout the district, yeah. not just Torrey Pines, but the other schools in this district that couldn't hire someone, couldn't keep someone, you know. And that's a, a toll on you know the personnel that has to do the hiring, and not only that, but building the the trust with the parents, the admin, those athletes takes a lot. So if it's a constant revolving door, there is no trust there. And one thing, you know, that we do is risk management. Like, what do I see on campus that could cause risk or is risk? But number two, mental health. And especially, I don't say now where there is more attention to it, but I've had kids confide in me to where I'm like, oh, what do I do with this information? Where do I go with this? And they wouldn't have told me that had I had not built that rapport with them. And I think that speaks volumes for having a revolving door versus having somebody who's there consistently um, that people know and people trust. I say one of the biggest compliments I have is when a coach or a staff member comes and asks me about their injuries or let alone asks about their kids' injuries, you know, because they value me and my experience and what I have to say. Now, whether or not they follow it is another thing, but, right. you know, I think that's one of the compliments that I get or alumni who call me and be like, hey, 
I hurt my knee. When can I see you? Like, what's a good time? Can you stop by my house? I'll buy you dinner or something. You know, that trust extends out beyond. And if it's somebody who's coming in constantly, um, you're not going to build that. Um, yeah, your athletic trainer now makes more money than I do because they've already gone through reclassification. So well, you should take some credit for you're that. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, I did. Zaina thanks you. Um, yes, you're welcome, Zaina. Um, <laughs> As the school board was fighting for that position, I did talk with a couple school board members about how to, what the opposition was going to be and how to uh, bring that, that it's it's not opposition, this is a need, this is a must, this is what we have to have. So I was really excited that the district got that, even if I wasn't here. And that's one thing in talking to my current position, I talked to my athletic director, like, look, leave it better than you found it. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do at Westview, which... Good news. Uh, we just got approved for a full-time athletic trainer in addition to myself at each site. So now Powell Unified High School will have two full-time athletic trainers at each site, which, I mean, that just happened right before spring break. So that's pretty phenomenal. But I'm going to tell you, it was a lot of work. Yeah. It's still a lot of work. And um, we didn't get that easy. But um, when we look at the amount of work that we have to do and what our responsibilities are, but like you said, a lot of people just aren't aware. Yeah. So let's, speaking of the responsibilities, mm -hmm. let's jump into your role. Mm -hmm. I want to, because I want to get to the the value piece, because what you're talking about with the SEL, the social emotional learning of the students and the mm -hmm. connection, well, it's, it's vital, mm -hmm. um, absolutely critical to what we do, because you're dealing with students in a vulnerable uh, moment in their lives Absolutely. very often. Mm -hmm. But um, I want to get to what your day-to-day -day role is because I think a lot of parents, and like I said, I was a, a varsity soccer coach. I didn't even know anything about an athletic trainer at the time. So let's talk about your role. What's your day-to-day -day look like and what's your role on campus? Day-to-day, um, -day, it kind of depends on season as well, um, especially now with the school year getting pushed back even later. I saw that you guys get out at 3.30. We don't get out till 3.45. Wow. Um, so that's changed a lot. Um, so now my I come in a little bit later. I come in maybe around noon, which takes out any lunchtime availability or a lunchtime meeting with my athletic director or trying to make that phone call to a doctor or get caught up on the emails. Um, there's a lot of paperwork we have to do as far as injury reports. Um, concussions are a lot of paperwork. Getting emails out to coaches, getting injury reports out to coaches. And like I said, depending on the season, if we're get, coming up onto a season, I have to clear and all these athletic packets. I have to review the health history. I have to review the physical to make sure that we have the correct medical information so that when these kids are out there and they collapse, I know or have their medical history, or we have to call 911 that I can just pull out the emergency card and know that that information is as accurate as possible for this child. So when we have our spring sports season right now, 740 student athletes. Um, when I have, you know, 500 of those turned in, you know, between December and January, I have to review every single one of them. And, you know, that does take a lot of time. Um, you know, setting up meetings with, you know, anything that I might have with risk manager, coaches. Um, I'm right next to the PE, what we call ENS department. Um, you know, so if I have a kid in concussion protocol or mo multiple kids in concussion protocol, how am I getting that information out to the counselors, to attendants, um, updating the parents on this is what information we need, or the parent letting me know, hey, my kid got hurt last night in an away game, what do we need to do, or when can they see you? So, um, 
And all of that is before you've even gone to before I even open my doors. Right. And so then I'm also looking at what has changed on my schedule that day. And I think we all experienced the uh, atmospheric rivers the last couple of weeks that it threw off the athletic schedules outdoor astronomically. And so I'm trying, okay, what has changed today? Do I have tennis? Do I have baseball? And Westview is a larger campus than Tory, So I can have eight games at one time plus practices. So I'm trying to figure out who's going to be on my campus because not only am I responsible for the home team, but I'm responsible for the visiting team, but I'm responsible for the spectators and my practices. So I'm trying to judge who's going to be where and what. So if no one's in my gym or my pool, then I'm going to be down floating around between the baseballs, the softballs, the track and fields and the tennises. But I have to literally line that up every day to see what I have um, and see what I need to prepare for. Um, there's a lot of other things that we work on or that I try and work on, you know, getting another AED on campus, um, you know, getting CPR classes lined up for coaches, um, things like that, that I try and do outside, but yet it are directly involved. So then I open my doors about, <laughs> we call it fourth period. We only have four classes at tour at Westview right, and we're on a four by four schedule. We're a four by four. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I open by, I try and open by fourth period, sometimes earlier if I know there's a big team that's leaving that will need a lot of stuff done. Um, otherwise I open fourth period for what we call off roll. We have a lot of, um, upperclassmen who will take that period off. Um, so they can leave for sports or jobs or whichever. Um, so that's a time where I can see some of those kids from last night or get some of my concussion protocols out of the way or my evals done or, you know, kids who need to leave early for an event, but need treatment or tape or whatever. Um, I can do that during fourth period. Um, so I open it up, put the waters out, you know, get everything ready for that day um and then once the bell rings at 3 45 it's just kind of mayhem some <laughs> days uh, mondays are usually monday after spring break will be pretty horrible but yeah. in a good you know in a good way i'm glad that they're there to see me and i'm glad that i'm there for them horrible you know, in a good way horrible in a good way okay. but because I'll like i said it. because they know me they're there they know oh i gotta see christina i gotta check in i gotta do this and that's another thing is like I can give them rehab programs over break. I can give them, you know, activity, like limited activity within their injury to do over break and then check in with me and we'll follow up there. Or you see in the doctor, make sure you bring me a doctor's note. So there's a lot of that that will be happening or, you know, athletics doesn't stop because we're on district recess, winter break, Thanksgiving right. break, spring break. So, um, you know, did somebody get hurt over spring break? Did somebody have surgery? All these things are going to come through my door, hopefully, if the coaches have sent them to me um, to kind of go over that. And then um, I have to update my injury notes. So everybody signs in, I end up update my injury notes. And I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't do that Friday before I left. And so it's still sitting there. And that's probably what I'm going to have to do Monday is update whoever I saw Friday. You know Friday. we're recording this, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Just they're there. I just haven't typed my notes on okay. them. So they're signed in. Um, but that's the other part is keeping up on the injury reports. And every time somebody walks in my office, they sign in. And that way it helps me track, because I'm so outnumbered, um, helps me track you know, their progress, if they are making progress or if they are not making progress and um, what I gave them instructions for over break, what I gave them instructions for practice last night to kind of see where we are today. Um, so that's another thing that I'll spend time catching up on if I don't finish it that night, because once I get all the kids out the door, game time, baby, yeah. like our games are at four o'clock. I, I mean, I'm seeing kids until 4.30. So do I try and catch the last couple innings of baseball? Do I try and catch some softball? 
um, you know, volleyball, you know, and the pool and track. So sometimes I don't even get out of my office until six o'clock. And then I'm like, okay, what's going on that I can actually go to um, unless I'm called somewhere. And if I'm called somewhere, then that stalls everything. So while you might be the soccer coach and that's all you see is like kind of like a tunnel vision of just soccer, you might not realize that I have three levels of boys soccer, three levels of girls soccer, wrestling, water polo, three levels of boys basketball and, you know, girls basketball. Like it doesn't really, you know, it's there, but it doesn't compute all the time. So, um, yeah. Sometimes I get to go home. It was exhausting just trying to get through it, you know, <laughs> one day. I'm just trying to think of everything it. else that yeah. I do. And if my admin stops by or if there's an emergency, like. Well, right. And you, you didn't include, I mean, you haven't even talked about, okay, well, now you've got, I don't want to call it a catastrophic injury. That's mm-hmm. saying too much. But if you've got a serious injury on the field, you're dealing with I that. I don't think it's saying too much because I don't. And that's another thing that I don't know if people really understand that that's what we're trained to do. Yeah is to give an ice bag or tape an ankle. Those are like the minuscule things, like 0.5 out of 10. Like, you know, catastrophic injuries, femur fractures, skull fractures, you know, that, you know, is ultimately what we are trained to do and recognize. And the worst case, and this is what I was just explaining to one of my school board members, is that you don't, as a parent, want to know me. You don't always want to know the extent of what I know, because that means, unfortunately, that your child has been injured, let alone catastrophically injured. And there are parents will admit, like, I've seen you drive around. I see you all over the place. But until my son got a concussion, you know, fracture and nerve damage, I didn't really know that you knew all that or knew what doctors to send me to or knew what questions to ask. And I think that's where it comes into play of helping these parents navigate a very difficult insurance system, a very different, difficult medical system, and kind of guiding them, ask this question, this question, this question, because they're not going to know. But this is how we're going to get the best care for that injured child, that catastrophic child. So, and then you come with the mental health component. You're right. We do see them at their most vulnerable state. Um, when they're injured and the the time following and the follow-up and as athletic trainers, they're the ones that check in with us, follow up with us and that we can support them and guide them through this step by step. Um, and that's, I think one of the most rewarding things is to see a student athlete overcome and get back on the field. And that's the success story there. Um, I don't know if that really answers the question on that, but I don't remember it, what the question it, was. So. You know, it, it is good. kind of whenever my phone rings, I look down and it's a coach and I immediately stop what I'm doing. And especially if it's I know it's a game that we have or something going on. The worst day I had, um, I had two orbital fractures. So that's like your eye socket. Um, one was in softball, one was in baseball. It was both practices. They were half an hour away from each other that they happened. I had an ACL tear, an MCL, a concussion, dislocated shoulder, ankle fracture, and I had a visiting team kid get stung by a bee in the eye, and he's allergic. Wow. That was one day. I might have tried to quit my job that day. <laughs> but can you imagine the injury reports and the paperwork after that? I mean, and then the follow-up care, yeah. you know. So whether or not it's my kid, 
you know, if it's a Tory kid, I'm going to text Zaina. I'm going to email her. Um, I'm going to give her as much information because that's another key element is follow-up care. So Zaina wasn't there initially, but I was, and I need to give her the information as if she was there so that she can help that athlete transition and do what they need to do. Um, so in San Diego, we've built a pretty tight knit community of high school athletic trainers. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, it's really kind of fun though, to say, Hey, you know, did that Zayna girl put that on there or something, you know, and then they're kind of, they joke around once we name drop each other, it kind of, you know, stranger danger kind of disappears a little bit. Yeah. Um, or I'll, I'll text Zayna and let her know, you know, okay, thank you so much. And you, you see the relief of the parents and the coaches sometimes, even as a coach to have, the visiting team athletic trainer be able to say, I'll contact your athletic trainer and give them all the information. You just coach, do your thing. Let me know if you need anything else. Yeah. So it kind of helps the coach's job a little bit easier, make it easier and gives you guys, the coaches a little bit more confidence that there's someone there to do that. So they don't have to. Yeah. I have to say it, it was really eye opening for me when I first started, uh, we're talking about that vulnerable moment because it was either the first or second football game here at Torrey and a kid broke his leg. Mm -hmm. And it's always uh, a challenge for the parents. They're in their stands. They see it happening. You see a student on the field, not moving. Everyone's taking a knee. It gets very quiet, very dramatic, very quickly. And there's one person with that student athlete and it's the athletic trainer. And the bedside manner of every trainer I've worked with has been absolutely phenomenal because that, that kid's scared in pain, in shock, and to see your ability to have a calm, rational conversation, diagnose as much as you can what's going on and help the student through it before the parents come down out of the stands. I, I hope parents take away from this how important that relationship is and how good you guys are at what you do because it's what a parent wants. That's mm -hmm. what you hope that mm -hmm. somebody at the school is going to be with their kid in this incredibly trying moment and handle it well. And I, between you, Richie, Zaina, we've been so lucky to have a, a good crew here mm -hmm. and I'm glad we've got a permanent position mm -hmm. finally. Um, but it's a really important moment that I, uh, I, don't know if a lot of people appreciate because I think you're right. They thought, well, that you give them ice bags and some water, yeah. right? Like, sure, yeah, yeah. not not even close. You know, or it's a revolving door, and yeah. that person isn't given the opportunity to build that relationship with that the community itself. Um, and that's when you look at as a as a parent what resources are available to your son or daughter. You know, when they play sports. Um, and that might tie into another issue of, you know, not all athletic trainers are created equal. And especially in the state of California, um, licensure is not required. Um, regulation, there's no regulation of what I do. Um, honestly, Rob, you could walk out and call yourself a trainer and get paid and do my job. It's not illegal. And right now, but it would be highly unethical. It, it would be highly unethical, nothing. but it's done. It's yeah. it's happening, and we have you know trainers. We're going to call them trainers um, in the state of California who work at high schools, who work with minors, who do what I do, but don't have the education. Yeah. 
Mm. They're not trained. They, you'll see them at surf cup camps, you know, or tournaments, those big tournaments, they're not always certified. So that's another thing that we're the only state in the country that doesn't regulate athletic trainers. Um, and I teach my athletes like, okay, when you go somewhere, you have a tournament this weekend, you make sure that person is a certified athletic trainer and you get their name. Um, and I want to make sure that their care that they're receiving when they go to these tournaments is as equal, you know, right. um, or at least I know what their education level is, you know, because to sit for our uh, national board exam, there's a set curriculum, there's a set education pathway. Um, if you just took a couple classes at high school and, you know, are going to step on the field and call yourself a trainer, that's vastly different than my four year degree plus post grad. Right. So, and now the minimum requirement to be an athletic trainer is a master's. So, all future graduating athletic trainers will have a minimum of a master's degree and board certified, but the state doesn't require it. So if you lose your certification in another state, you can come work in California. If you get charged or found to have inappropriate relationships with a minor in another state, we have no way of tracking that. You can come to California and we have evidence of that happening. Wow. So we have a bill, we're working on it. Um, Kind of, we? we, California Athletic Trainers Association, uh, thank you very much. I uh, sit on that managing board. Uh, I've been on that board for since I don't know, 2013, I think, maybe 2011. I'm losing track. Um, California Athletic Trainers uh, Association. And then we have an awesome bill author out of actually Chula Vista, um, Assembly Member Dr. Weber. She is fantastic. We were just in a committee uh, hearing this morning and we passed out of this committee. So woohoo, on to the next committee, but we're charging forward, um, hoping that we can get this done. Um, it's a two-year bill cycle. I'm learning a lot about government, um, and a lot about bills, but um, we're going to try and, and really get this through. I think for the safety of our, our kids, we have to. You know, uh, over the years, there's been a lot of debate, and I've seen it here, I'm sure you've seen it uh, as well, about specialization and repetitive motion injuries and that sort of thing. We've got, you know, especially at a school like Tory, we've been very successful in athletics, so if you don't start playing volleyball at age three, you'll never make the varsity team here. Mm -hmm. um, that's obviously not true, but that's sort of the perception out got there. It. So yeah. we've got a, let's be honest, Gen X parents are, you know, if one is good, 10 is better. Uh, we tend to do things way too much to overcompensate, my guess, is for being latchkey kids in the 70s. But um, I noticed that when I coached, especially when I was coaching youth soccer, it was, why aren't we doing indoor right after the season's over? Why aren't we doing more in the summer? And I would say, no, you guys should go play tennis or go do a play. And people look at me like I was crazy. Well, they'll never make the varsity team if they're playing tennis. And even though I coached my kids for soccer uh, for 10 years, they played tennis in high school. It's a whole thing. But so what, what's your view? What have you seen from your end of it, at least on specialization or is, is it, are you seeing repetitive motion injuries? Are you seeing too much of something or are kids learning how to train better? Um, well, yes. Um, you know, Westview isn't that far off with Tori when it comes to specialization. I think it's, it's really hard. I think parents are under the belief that, their kid's going to get a scholarship for sports. And I don't think they really understand how only about 8% of high school athletes in the country earn athletic scholarships. Let us say that again. Country. Very clearly. 
8% of students in the entire United, United States, States get scholarships. Yes. And the money that, and it's funny, I actually had a, a doctor talk about this. The money that is spent on all of these club sports, club activities, if the parents would take those thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars since their child was three and put it in an account, guess what? It <laughs> would pay for, for it. You don't even yeah. need to worry about trying to get a partial you know, scholarship, which is just going to be books only or tuition only, yeah. or it's not even going to be the full thing. That's such a small percentage. And the overuse injuries are one thing. Like, you know, the amount of itises that I have is just out, you know, they, you, you play soccer year round, you play volleyball year round, you play baseball year round. And then why you wonder why your kid's having Tommy John's as a junior, which yeah. is what, 16 years old. I mean, it could almost be career ending for the majors. It's, it, you know, and the NATA, the National Athletic Trainer Association actually came out with a specialization recommendation and it came out October, 2019. Um, and it gives us six rules, um, which I kind of look at these and knowing the culture of the community, I, I kind of laugh. And I really do wish that uh, kids would cross train more, find sports that aren't the same thing. I mean, you look at um, Tony Gwen. Did yeah. you go to state for basketball sure did. and baseball? I mean, you look at uh, Patrick Gates Mahomes. from the yeah. Chargers. All of them, multiple sports, none of them specialized. But the personal trainer that you're hiring, that you're paying thousands of dollars to, is telling you you have to. The personal, yeah. the coach, the private coach that you're paying thousands of dollars to is telling you that you have to. This is the only way. But they're really, not only are you physically running these kids down, their bodies can't handle it, but what about the mental component? Mm -hmm. They're burnt out by the time they're in high school. And then when you get to the collegiate level, it, it is that much more then people don't know the, the time commitment that it takes at the collegiate level, even like a D3 or D2, you know, which I'm not knocking those programs at all because there are some great programs out there, but it's almost a full-time job to be a collegiate athlete. And it's well, been, yeah, they're paying you exactly through your tuition. Yes. So you were expected yes. to perform um, and show up on time and ready to and play. It's, it is year round of the same thing that they've yeah. already been doing. So, you know, when we talk about the, the six keys, you know, um, delay specializing in a single sport as long as possible. One team at a time. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's yeah. amazing you even have to say that. But uh, yeah. Less than eight months per year of, of one, one sport. Particular sport mm -hmm. yeah. No more hours of weeks or no more hours of that sport in a week than years of age. I like okay. that. Two days of rest. Our kids aren't even getting rest when they have tournaments on the weekends and even on Sundays. No. Um, and then rest and recovery time from organized sports, which, I mean, if I worked these, <laughs> I'm going to get crucified for these, basically. <laughs> you know, but this is what is recommended, not by the NATA, by so many youth orthopedic American Academy of whatever associations are going to support this statement. Um, they don't want to do the surgeries on these kids. They don't. And not only that, but the injury time, look at the mental toll. We talk about catastrophic injuries or injuries at a whole. Look at what now you're taking that young kid away from their social group and they're injured and they can't participate. And that's all they've known is baseball. 
because that's all they do. Yeah. So now they get injured and can't play baseball. They have no identity. What's their identity? Mm-hmm. Collegiate athletes have this problem as well. They end playing, you know, basketball. What do I do? They've they've defined themselves as a basketball player almost their entire life. You know, so when you look at mental health component, what are we doing? What are we creating or leading these kids? What path are we leading these kids down? at such a young age, um, if they want to do dance or want to do drama. And that's one thing I have enjoyed about Westview. And I get so excited when a kid says, well, uh, you know, I can't go to practice tomorrow because I'm in Beauty and the Beast this weekend, or I'm doing that's makeup or I'm yeah. doing sound. And I'm like, oh my God, that's just awesome. Yeah. And they're surprised by my excitement for them. And I'm like, yes, you're doing something else other than sports. So that way it's not repetitive and redundant. And, and yes, we, Westview is good at sports. We, we yes, do have yes, quite a few. Are. I mean, we're not the 40 years of, you know, 40, 50 years of Tory 50. Pines, 50. Wow. We'll be 50 next year. I mean, we're only 20 years. We have a lot of catching up to do, but I think that that's just fantastic that these kids have other things to do and that sports isn't driving them. Um, but yet we are still successful. And I think that might help actually round them out a little bit. Cause if they're so tired of being at practice all the time, that's going to do something to their psyche at practice in the game. Um, Versus if they have, you know, a day off or they do like a beach day or coach does a different activity for them, you know, it really breaks up the monotony and then they're excited to be there again. You know, um, my CIF girls soccer state champion program, like I'd go out there and I don't even know what game they are playing half the time, but coach wanted to break it up, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're in playoffs. They know what they're doing. We're having practice, but let's not have practice. Let's do something else. Let's do a team bonding, team building. That's not so obviously team bonding, team building. And the kids, it just creates, you'll see a whole different expression on their face. Well, I think you, you hit kind of the nail on the head with the resilience piece. Cause mm-hmm. I had a, uh, my stepdad played professional basketball. And when he first started dating my mom back in the day, he had just sort of retired and he had started a business for retired basketball players who didn't know what to do because mm-hmm. that's all they had done. It was the only way to get out of their neighborhood. And so, and, and then he ended up being a handyman for a while and then was a campus supervisor at Orange Glen where I ended up getting my first teaching job. Mm-hmm. And he, re, he was an all-star in the NBA. And he was, so I had this example my whole life of you've got to diversify because mm-hmm. he was a great basketball player but didn't have a lot of skills after that because he had put all his eggs in that basket. And we see it all. We get the same thing here. I love seeing the kids when football season's over. Then uh, our uh, theater teacher, Marini, has scheduled a musical for after that. So you'll invariably see Mm -hmm. the football kids in the musical uh, and the spring musical, which is always great. And I used to try to do the same thing with my uh, girls' soccer team. My parents would look at me like I was crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, why aren't we running drills tonight? I'm like, cause they're 11 yeah, and they're going to be mm-hmm. okay. And we've got to, we're going to be playing four soccer games over the weekend. So you know what the Friday before we're going to take our foot off the gas pedal a little bit so that over the weekend, regardless of what happens, mm-hmm. they've had more fun. Right. So win, lose or draw, they're more connected and healthier, not just necessarily better so they can get on the varsity team. In a and then it years. becomes that they're playing the sport for you and not for them yeah. that they might not even want to do that anymore. And that's the hard part for me you know, when we talk about that trust is kids telling me that they don't want to do it anymore, but they have to, 
then like, you've got to hear that a lot. Yeah, like, they're I do. telling you things they're not going to tell your like, parents. And I'm like, you're 15, you don't have. They're like, no, I, I have to. Yeah. Or the parents that come in and just get so mad because their kids sprain their ankle and can't go to the tournament this weekend. I'm like, your child is injured. Like, I don't, or, you know, we'll maybe get to this, I don't know, later, but even concussions, they're invisible. Mm -hmm. You know, sprained ankle, you can see the swelling, the bruising, concussions, you can't. And yeah. so to see that end of it is very, very, very hard for me, you know, but again, to be there to support the the kid is what I, what I do with that. Um, and just know that this is a safe space. Well, since you've brought it up, we might as well, we can't have this conversation without talking about concussions right? Uh, because it has had a dramatic impact on football. There are lots of parents who have kept their kids out of football specifically because mm -hmm. of, uh, because of concussions. And yet I, this was a few years ago. So please correct me if my sure. data is wrong, but I heard that the number one sport for concussions is actually water polo. Am I off base? Is that an old, outdated think, statistic? Um, you know, with high school sports, it's it's really challenging. Um, I worked at the collegiate level. I guess I didn't say that before I came to high school. And um, one of the universities I was at, cheer, was no higher for concussions no than football. You wow. know, so um, and that's at a, a D1 institution. Yeah. And so high school and this is some one thing that my athletic director and I sit down is like, what trends or patterns are we seeing? Is it ankle sprains, MCLs or is it concussions? Mm. And, you know, one of the sports this year, we had a, a jump in concussions significantly. And so then I sit down and I look at what but what led to that? What was being done? What wasn't being done? Um, I think sometimes it's really hard that it's just, it happens. Um, you know, it, it's one, another year was I got so many concussions from club soccer right before Westview soccer, or cause there's an overlap. We will purposely not have Westview games because club soccer is still going till Thanksgiving break, right. but because they're a Westview athlete, you know, that becomes under us, you know, to clear that. And, you know, um, do we talk about the overuse part of that? I would wonder if somewhere down the line, if that becomes part of it. Um, but also what techniques are we teaching? And yeah. I think that's been a lot of it of how are we coaching these kids? It's now, you know, don't just, you know, hit them hard and take them out. Like it's, what are you saying as a coach? Are you teaching the skill? Because football is a skill, you know, um, and I think uh, it was a Seahawks coach, um, I can see his face. He was one of the ones that's teaching Pete Carroll. Like he brought in rugby players to teach NFL players yeah. how to tackle. And that's the NFL level. Here we are at the high school level, still trying to figure that out. And to think that putting padding on a helmet is going to help or putting, getting a $500 helmet or $600 helmet is going to help. It's about technique and helmets prevent skull fractures, um, and facial lacerations, not concussions. And I think that's the well, hard we've part. We've certainly seen that in the NFL this year. With right. Philip. Well, but there isn't a focus on water polo. There isn't a focus on lacrosse. There right. isn't a focus on soccer girls actually, and I say girls, meaning 17 and under, maybe women too, have a high, statistically higher risk for concussions and ACL tears than men mm. because of hormones. But nobody wants to talk about that either because we don't, it doesn't bring in the dollars. You know, football brings in the dollars and people see it. Yeah. You know, Hamlin, everybody saw that. Sudden cardiac yeah. arrest is now at the forefront, which I've been fighting for years, which is how we got seven AEDs on my campus. Like this stuff happens. 
Um, but is it, does it make it unsafe? Um, no, I mean, I had a track athlete get a concussion cause she tripped over the hurdle yeah. and the parent could not understand how she got a concussion in track. It's not football. How did, or a pole vaulter this season got a concussion. You can't be surprised about a pole vaulter oh, getting a concussion. We are shocked because that's why we put them in track or a swimmer because they. Last time I checked, there's a concrete wall on the other well, side of the was, pool. Well, he came out of the pool underneath the, the, what, the platform. Yeah. And hit his head on the platform because he just shot straight up, you know, any sport, you know, quite honestly. And so it just blows my mind that people only think it happens in football Um, and they don't still don't understand what is involved with a concussion. And I'm constantly educating parents, constantly educating teachers um, who don't understand why the kid is struggling in class you know, with a concussion, um, let alone what the state laws are, CIF bylaws and the proper way to manage a concussion because the clubs sometimes don't do things uh, as thorough as they should. So then it comes different when we get to the high school level, which by the way, just for clarification, the state law applies to all high school and clubs. Yeah. So if the high schools are doing it pretty rigorously, that's telling you who's not, and they're still held to the same standard. Right. And I think that's sort of the, uh, not meaning to bash on clubs. I, coached a club mm-hmm. uh, team for a while, but I, I think you're right there. The clubs are moving a little bit faster. There's more uh, diverse teams. There's different levels. And, you know, they've got an A, B, C, D team, whatever it might right. be. It is pay to play. Mm-hmm. So that is by design and it's different standards. You got a lot more coaches. Right. Uh, you're not talking about state employees mm-hmm. who are spending tax dollars. So we've got a lot more right. hoops to jump through, but we ended up kind of cleaning up that sometimes mm-hmm. like you said the the expectation is well he just as i say used to say he got his bell rung he can play right we're mm-hmm. like no we've got a whole set of standards we have yeah. to go well we didn't in our our other team yeah like well you do here i got yeah. news for you because we want to protect your kid right uh with that brass ring of uh the d1 scholarship down the line which again eight percent in the entire country country i think we've made that clear yeah All that's right. pretty large all right. So uh, <laughs> you've kind of hit a lot of this. I, I'm not going to go further down into this one because I, I uh, wanted to ask, you know, what do you want parents to know? But I think we've we've hit that uh, a lot. Um, but and you've touched on a little bit just a second ago talking about um, uh, specialization. But mm-hmm. what do you want student athletes who might be listening to this? What do you want them to know? What's your advice from your you know, vast perspective, which is 21 years doing this? 21 years incredible. total. I know. Wow, I'm old. Um, 17 <laughs> at the high school level. I think, you know, there's this common misconception that every athlete has that if I go see the trainer, athletic trainer is the correct term, that they're, they're going to pull me out for two weeks. That is not our mm. job. That is, that is really, I, if you're going to wait two weeks or a month to tell me about something, that might be the only course. I said, but our goal, at least my goal, is to help keep you involved as much as possible. And what can we do to help fix or correct? You know, you might be have a modified practice. You might be limited on some things. But sometimes it is a simple stretch or it is a simple, you know, heel lift or it is a simple, you know, lack of a better word, tape job. And I'll show you how what you need to do to take care of it. And it's gone within a week. Why let it draw out? Get the help. We are on. We are here to help 
you. Yeah, it's quite the opposite. It's, yes. it's to get them out there faster mm-hmm. and more effectively. Right. I don't want you guys in my office. Right. I don't want you. I want to, <laughs> and I am competitive. I love to watch us play and I love to watch us win. And I will work my tail off to help you be successful on the field, but I will do it making sure that you're safe doing so, that it's not putting you at increased risk. Um, and that's what, you know, and talking to your coaches, that's what it's about. And I think if, you know, it's funny because, you know, a lot of these younger coaches that are my former athletes, like, I don't know why these kids don't see you. You just, you can help them so much. And that's it. That's the key. We can, right. We're here to help. Um, and what we know is just, like I said, just could be a little thing, but sometimes it could be a serious thing. And the sooner you take care of it, the better the end result will be. Um, I guess I want parents to know, you know, who we are, what our education is. Um, that, like you said, we do more than tape the ankles and the ice bags. Um, and, but we are outnumbered and we do the best that we can with yeah. what we have. And we do care about these kids. Um, and we do care about this community. So obviously I'm back here right. speaking with you. and Yeah, and I, I can attest to that. Every, like I said, every trainer I've had a, an opportunity to work with here at Tory has been incredible in terms of uh, what you look for in a good teacher mm-hmm. uh, in that connection with the student mm-hmm. where they know them by name. Mm-hmm. They have uh, you know a, a congenial relationship mm-hmm. in addition to the collegial relationship mm-hmm. of, hey, I'm in charge when you're on my cart right now and mm-hmm. I got to deal with you, you got to listen to me. Right. And I love that level of respect. Uh, and then, like I said, as an educator, all the trainers I've worked with have been really good about athletic trainers. Athletic trainers. I'm sorry. Yeah. Gosh, I keep doing that. We're good. We're good. Um, you, so <laughs> all of the ATs that I have worked go. with uh, over the years <laughs> have really done an excellent job, um, for lack of a better term, dumbing it down for us parents and being very clear with the kids, like really teaching them, mm-hmm. here's what you need to know. Mm-hmm. And even when I've gotten you know, free advice, free medical advice frequently for my IT band, which is uh, fact, uh, bugging me again, oh, so we'll no. talk later. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you said, getting old sucks. Um, <clears throat> but seeing the, the, the importance of those conversations with those students um, to develop that relationship consistently. Mm-hmm because I had seen it for a while when we were in between uh, athletic mm-hmm. trainers. I almost slipped mm-hmm. again and I, I didn't, I got myself. Job, job. Uh, when we were in between and we were having to hire out regularly, mm-hmm. these were qualified professionals, mm-hmm. but it was, who's this? Yeah. Who's this today? And it was like, and so then the student would push back a little bit and say, well, I'm just going to get the ice or the tape, but I'm not going to have an right. ongoing conversation. But when it's Christina, yeah. And they've been in multiple situations or you've uh, served their friend or whatever it might be. Now they're going to open up and you're yeah. going to learn more and be able to serve them better. So what is it that old saying cliche of people don't care what you know until they know that you care? Yeah. Um, you know, back to coach Robbie Collins here, which I still chuckle at that because he was a senior. My first year here is didn't really trust me too much. So he shoved in a friend of his to see exactly what I knew. If, if it, that was his test as a senior to see if I knew what I was talking about on how I evaluated his fe- fellow teammate. <laughs> I'm just like, really? Um, and that's one thing I think I enjoy working at, you know, Torrey Pines and, and Westview is that the kids love to learn. Um, mm-hmm. I have my, what I call my wall of pain. 
and it is injuries that have happened and the kids like well, what about that and they ask the questions well how did that happen or what's the rehab like or what's the and they learn i you know some of them take a sports med class and they love to come in and flash use their fancy words i call them use your words or yeah i, I have an inversion sprain and they're so proud of themselves for using the language and so then i'll teach them what their injury is. You know, it's not just this, it's this. This is, you know, and once they understand it, you see the light bulb go on, but you see a deeper appreciation for their, not only their body, but how to help it heal and why it hurts and how we do to fix that. So it's, it's fun. Um, yeah. I think the education component, I'm pretty sure Zana can agree with me on this, is, is a lot of what we do is nerding out over the human body and what, what it does. So um, that's been a joy too. The winning is great as well. Yes. Banners are always awesome. Well, I wouldn't know anything about banners. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. No, your, your we didn't run out, out of space. room in our gym yeah, 15 okay. years ago for banners. Yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> it's very <laughs> let's subtle. not get in a banner very off because you know we will win. Uh -huh. um, we've been around a lot longer. You guys are way older. Yes, way older. Years, yes, 30 right. years older. Agreed. We're catching um, up. So we're kind of getting to the, to the end of this. So mm -hmm. you've got a principal behind the desk here right now. So mm -hmm. you've worked with some good principals. Uh, I didn't know Tina well, but I knew she was she really was good. She was phenomenal. Yeah. Is phenomenal. Tina, yeah. you're phenomenal. And, uh, but you got to work with my good friend, David Jaffe and, mm -hmm. and Brett Killian Brett. And, and you and I worked together, not principal, uh, but what do you want administrators to know? Hit us. What do we need to know about you, what you do? in our kids? Um, I feel like sometimes we just need a little bit more support mm -hmm. um, of what we do. And don't roll your eyes when we walk down the ramp or the stairs and be like, what do they want next? Ask how you can support us. Ask, you know, you know, that might be an open ended question of what do you need? What do you need from yeah. me? And I think that's one thing I learned from my AD is what do you need from me this week? You know, how can I support you? And you never know, you know, sometimes I think we try and manage some battles on ourselves, mm -hmm. but I think just communicating, you know, just knowing that, you know, hey, Tina wanted to know, didn't care what sport it was, wanted to know if I sent a kid to the hospital, period, end of story. Yeah. I would text her, call her, and she would be on the phone to those parents. Um, so knowing that she cared was enough. So I guess knowing your expectations, um, but also knowing that you support us, even if you're not a sports guy, even if the sports aren't your thing, how do you support your staff when they're here till 9:30 at night. And I will say dealing with a catastrophic injury does a lot to me too. Yeah. And my mental health and how I process that and to have a principal come and say how are you doing after that? Are you okay? Yeah. Or checking in with me on Monday. Do we need to talk about this debriefing with me? Um I think that's maybe the best way. Is just to know that we're seen and we're appreciated and that sometimes we do take a lot on ourselves. Christina, thank you so much for what you do. Thank you, Rob. Uh, it's been a, an honor to work with you over the years. I miss working with you, but at least we've stayed in touch. Um, I just very much appreciate the work you've not only done on the field, but off the field, because I know you're a huge advocate, you know, now trying to go at the state level mm -hmm. to hit something that's really, really important. So thank you Absolutely. for what you do and who you are. Thank you. Thank you for being there for us. That's all for today's episode. I want to thank Christina Schur for joining me today, and I want to thank you for listening. If you found our conversation thought-provoking and want to know more, check out our Instagram, at Best for Kids Podcast, where you'll find resources and guest photos. To keep this conversation going, please rate and subscribe in whatever app you use for podcasts. 
more importantly, I hope you stay curious and keep asking what's best for kids.